and it's a wonder that I can even uh, study for a sermon, amen, with all the noise going outside our window, but that's how it is in Mexico City, just gave, gives you a taste of what it's like there. Uh, turn in your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4, uh, the message I'm preaching today is a burden that I have uh, for churches that support us, and I believe it's very important, the topic that we're going to look at tonight. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. If you want to. Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 4. It says here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just use this message, God, to inform us, number one, about the need to, uh, this great need to pray for missionaries and for missions in general. And, and God, there's several things that specifically could be prayed for. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, just uh, help us be informed about what to pray for. And then, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, uh, do a work in our hearts that would give us a burden to pray as we ought to pray for missionaries on the mission field, for me and all the other fellow missionaries, so, so that through their prayers, uh, those of this church can change even the dynamics of some mission f- uh, field, some, uh, some, some ministry out there. And, Lord, I pray that you just uh, convict our hearts, and, Lord, that uh, because of this, there would be great things done in the future on the mission field and that uh, the people of this church will have had a part in seeing great things happen. So, Lord, I pray that you just give me power. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say as I speak. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. A.J. Gordon was a pastor in Boston back in the 19th century, well-known pastor, uh, D.L. Moody would have him come to the Northfield Conference and preach. Uh, he even had his own Bible college that he started. He had a burden for missions. In fact, he started a Bible college so that uh, uh, missionaries could be trained to go to the Congo. And, uh, but he also was a man of uh, a prolific writer. But above all, I believe he was a man of prayer. One day he said these words, Prayerless giving will never evangelize the world. Think about that statement. Prayerless giving will never evangelize the world. It's important to give. Praise God for those who give or we wouldn't be on the field. We wouldn't be able to stay on the field. But if there's not prayer behind the giving, everything that we do on the mission field will be in vain. We need your prayers. And here Paul, the missionary, recognized that. And he was writing to the church in Colossus. And he was urging them to pray that God would open the door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. And notice that he used the word, a similar word twice here in uh, verse 3. He said, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. We see the word us, that gives great comfort to me because Paul was not just asking for prayers for himself. Paul was asking for prayers for all missionaries everywhere in all time, including us. And uh, we need to uh, be praying for missionaries not just, uh, uh, and, and so Paul wasn't just saying this, uh, to the church of Colossus, pray for us, uh, our little band of men that are with me. He was saying, pray for all missionaries everywhere and all time, even till today. 
And uh, so by extension, he is asking to pray for all missionaries everywhere. And so I want us to study God's word tonight, and I want us to look at three doors with respect to missions for which we need to pray. Uh, but first of all, we need to look at the one that we're praying to, because of all our prayers are in vain uh, if we're just praying to nothing or, or to, to no one. Uh, the reason why prayers can be powerful, not because we're powerful Christians, because we have a powerful God to whom we are praying. Turn with me to uh, Revelations chapter 3, verse 7. Revelations chapter 3, verse 7. It says here, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Praise God, we pray to a God that can open and shut doors. Amen? There's not a door that's shut that God can't open. And uh, it seems like sometimes that Satan hinders in the ministry, and sometimes he has those gates of hell shut tight. Those doors, those gates of hell, for, uh, the, of which uh, Jesus said that the gate, the, that cannot prevail against the church. Now, a lot of times people, when they talk about that, uh, they talk about how the gates of hell should not prevail against the church, and that we're like a fortress, and we're supposed to defend ourselves from the gates of hell. That's not what it's saying. What Jesus was saying is that we should be charging at the gates of hell and that the gates of hell should not prevail against the church and that the, the church uh, uh, should be uh, busting those doors wide open and, and it can with God, amen, who can bust those doors wide open. We need to be praying that he does that, that we may rescue those captives that are behind those gates of hell that are captives at, God, at Satan's will. Now, let us look at some doors that we need to pray for. And the first door I want us to look at is the effectual door. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you want to turn there. One of the doors that we should pray for in, with respect to missions is the effectual door. Let's explain what that means. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is in uh, Ephesus, and he's writing to the church of Corinth. And he says in verse 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now that word great uh, uh, door, I think is very self-explanatory. It comes from the word mega, which just means a, a big door. But then it also says an effectual door. That word effectual uh, comes from the Greek word energis, which can mean great uh, energy, en energy, energis, or great power, but also means uh, that word energis, uh, when it's talking about, when, it, when it's translated word effectual, the word effectual means producing a desired effect. And so it's a door that has produced a, a desired effect. Now what desire was, was that producing? Well, we'll look at that in a minute here, but I want us to look that a great door was opened of opportunity in Ephesus. And to be able to understand that, we need to look at what he was talking about. And you can see that in the book of Acts. So let's go to Acts chapter 19 now. And we'll see that great door that was opened. Uh, Paul comes to Ephesus. And uh, typically, like it is in a lot of places, it wasn't easy uh, when a new work is started. When a pastor or evangelist comes to an area and starts evangelizing that area... There's, it seems like there's something that we always, it, it's very constant. And we'll see that here in our text. Acts chapter 19, verse 8, it says, And he went, that's Paul, he went into the synagogue, 
and he spake boldly for the space of three months. And so Paul did what he usually did. He would go to the synagogue, and he was preaching there, disputing and persuading the thing concerning the kingdom of God. And then we see something here that is constant, and because Satan doesn't like it, and he's not going to rest when someone goes into a new area and tries to reach people that have been captives at Satan's will for years, like Mexico City, and so he's not going to let, 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 let that happen so easily. And see what happens here is what happens, I'm sure it happens, uh, when, when people start churches, whether it's here in Midland, Texas, or Mexico City. Uh, see what happens here in verse 9. And when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. There was opposition here. The Bible says divers were hardened. Uh, if you've ever gone knocking doors, especially in the 21st century, you know what we're talking about. Amen? It's not so easy. I remember back in the 1980s, before uh, Brother, uh, Brother Carr was even born. Amen? Uh, but it, wasn't a, it was a lot easier, Brother, back then. And some of you know that. It's a lot easier to knock doors back in the 80s. Amen? 70s and 80s, uh, you can knock doors. And I remember as teenagers, we'd go knocking doors in the 80s, and uh, we'd be coming back rejoicing. Sometimes we'd go out. We had a pretty good basketball team in our Christian school, and we as teens would go out, and we'd go to Holly Avenue in Kankakee, Illinois, and, and we, uh, there'd be those guys out there playing, and they saw us white boys, and they thought, this is going to be easy. Amen? We'd start playing them. But we had some pretty good boys in our team, and we'd whip them, and then we'd give them the gospel. Amen? And uh, I, I, I wasn't, I was, a, I was the one keeping the clock, you know, but I wasn't a very good player. But the other guys, on, uh, other guys I went soloing with, and we'd witness to them, and we'd go knocking doors. And, man, uh, we'd come back just talking about this person we got to witness to, the other person we got to witness to, and a lot of times even people that we let the Lord. It's a lot different today, isn't it? I mean, you're happy if you even come back and someone open the door for you, amen? Oh, wow, I got a, one track out. But uh, divers are hardened, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop, and that didn't stop Paul either. In fact, that's what I want us to look at here. Divers were hardened and believed not. We see that today. Many don't believe, but spake evil the way. They also spoke evil the way. That happens a lot when a church is started. That's probably what happened when, I don't know, Pastor Pierce, who started this church or who started the church years ago. But I bet there was some opposition. Probably there's been some opposition, I'm sure, since then, too. You know, there's people that speak evil of churches, believe it or not. Even when we're doing such, we're trying to do such good work in the community, amen? Trying to love everybody, uh, but uh, everybody just loves, I'm sure, Southwest Baptist Church, right? No, not everyone. Not everyone has appreciated this church. Well, they didn't appreciate our church when we started our church in Mexico City either. In fact, our neighbors, they welcomed us by, first of all, complaining to the government that we weren't zoned to be where we were at when we bought the property. And I had to show that we were zoned. That took a while, and we finally won that that battle. And then uh, they said that we... uh, 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 our decibel system was too high for our decimal level was too high according to city, city ordinance that was easy to prove because we were nothing like the churches around the corner that, that, with their electric guitars and their, their, their drums and everything that was pretty easy to win that fight but uh, there's, there was opposition there always is opposition but you know what Paul did in spite of the opposition look what happens here for two years it says and this continued by the space of two years two years of people not believing two years of people's uh, hearts hardened and two years of people speaking evil the way But in spite of it, look what happened in verse 10. Look what Paul continued to do. And not only him, but his his band of men, uh, of evangelists, so that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, the Bible doesn't say here, Brother Carr, doesn't say, Brother Terry, that all the people heard, uh, 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 heard the gospel, believed the gospel. It doesn't say that all people got saved. 
In fact, we shouldn't even expect that all people should be saved. But we should expect that all people hear the gospel. Amen? If there's a church that believes the Bible, then that area around, everyone should have a chance to hear the gospel. Amen? Because the church should be making sure that's being done. That's what Paul did. He and his band of men made sure that everyone not only in Ephesus heard the gospel, but everyone in Asia, in the province around, heard the gospel. You know, when we started our church, I said to our people the first day we started in the back of a school building there in, uh, in Lomas de Sotelo, I said, you know what, we're going to make sure that everyone in this delegation of 400,000 people have a chance to hear the gospel. We're going to spread the gospel throughout the, the, the delegation like, like, like butter on bread. And we're going to make sure that the whole, like Jerusalem, that the whole delegation is filled with the doctrine of Christ. We knocked every door and every street of those 400,000 people. And we're doing it for the second time. It took us 13 years to do it the first time. It only took us five years, and we're almost done the second time. But when you got a lot more people helping you, it's a lot easier. Amen? Uh, but uh, we wanted to make sure that everyone heard the gospel in spite of the opposition. You know what? God blesses that. I believe that's why God's blessed our church down there. But you know what? I, God blessed also the church here. It wasn't easy at the beginning, but they kept on at it. And then the Bible says in verse 16 that something interesting happened. There was an exorcism that went bad. And the Bible says some unsaved people tried to get a, a devil out of an unsaved man. It didn't, never works out that way. It didn't work out for them. Verse 16, that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. It didn't go good, very good for them, did it? But then something happened in verse 17. And this is what I want us to look at. This is the great door that was opened. Suddenly, in the midst of two, after two years of seeing opposition, people not believing in the way, people not uh, speaking evil the way, believing not, and their hearts hardened, suddenly God does this great work in verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks that were dwelling in Ephesus. And then the Bible says, suddenly, fear fell on them all. Fell on this ungodly city that had hardened their hearts for two years, that had not believed and had spoken evil the way. Suddenly, fear comes upon them, and the name of the Lord Jesus is magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. Uh, that reminds me of a time of revival back in the 70s, 80s and youth conferences where the teens would bring their records. And, and remember those vinyl records? Remember, it's coming back again today, isn't it? The 33s and the 75s and the 45s. And, and uh, they would just uh, they'd throw them in a pile and they'd burn them. Uh, you know, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, you young people. Uh, the two uh, Davenport kids don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about records, amen, but uh, most of us uh, maybe do, but uh, uh, today, I don't know what it would be, MP3 burnings, MP4 burnings, I don't know what they burn today, but uh, there was revival, that was a sign of revival, God, uh, they were taking all their wicked stuff and they were throwing it away and they were burning it all, and the Bible says in verse 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Ah, there's that word again, prevailed, the gates of, war, gates of hell should not prevail against it. Bible says that the, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Remember these words, because we're going to look at them again. They all have to do with what, uh, what I'm speaking of today. But uh, a great door was open. The word of God was magnified. Remember that word. And the, word of, uh, the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, was magnified. And the word of God prevailed. And uh, many believed. Now, what caused this? What was the re reason behind this? Well, remember that door. Uh, remember that name of that door, I'm sorry. Effectual. Where do we see that word again in the Bible? Well, look, let's go to James. <coughs> James chapter 5. James chapter 5. <clears throat> James chapter 5. See that word again? And, there, and 
you can tie those together. Look what it says in James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's that word again, effectual. Remember what I said, effectual. Now, look at what it says. It avails. That word is avail. Prevail is the same word. They prevailed in Ephesus because of availing prayer and effectual prayer. Remember, effectual means producing a desired effect. There was desire uh, expressed in prayer, and then that desire was, the, was produced in effectual door being opened. The reason why that door was opened suddenly after all that time of opposition was because there were people praying. What people were praying? That's a good question. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul was writing to a church. A church that supported him, actually. The churches of Macedonia. <coughs> that gave, many times, the Bible says, the work of God. And he was writing to that church. And let me tell you before I write, read what he said, before I read the words he penned, when he wrote this, he was in Corinth. He leaves Corinth to go on a survey trip to Ephesus. He doesn't stay in Ephesus. They want him to stay, but he says, I must go to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem to go to a feast. Then from that feast, he works his way back to Ephesus to start his ministry. So this was written a couple years before he went to Ephesus. And he penned these words, and let's look at the words that he wrote to this church in Thessalonica. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Isn't that what happened? The word of the Lord was magnified. The name of the Lord was magnified. The word of the Lord prevailed. Why? Because for years, people were praying while he was in Ephesus. Uh, probably, it seemed like he was knocking his head against the wall. There was opposition and everything. But they kept on praying. And look, look what God had, did with effectual prayer. An effectual door was open. They pray specifically. Effectual means uh, producing a desired effect. And as people pray for specific needs, specific things get answered. That's effectual prayer. I remember uh, when we, uh, you know, uh, well, let me, let me say before I give the story I was going to tell, tell you. Uh, when we start ministries, us that are church planners or pastors or, or missionaries or evangelists, when we start a ministry, it's sort of like a beachhead. Every time a new ministry, that's how I see it. You know, I, I think of the lens of the Marine Corps. And uh, we, we're, we're starting up a beachhead in Satan's territory, whether it's Mexico City or it could be even Midland, Texas. And, 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 to, and we're there to see those captives behind the enemy lies, lines brought out and rescued. And when we have a beachhead now established, then we start... You know what? I, I consider ministries, outreach ministries, as probing patrols. We go on patrol. And we look at different weaknesses in the devil's, in, in, in the devil's uh, lines to see where we can find an opportunity to get in there and do something. And, and praise God we've been able to do that in Mexico City. 
And that's what God wants us to do. And remember here, there was opposition. Didn't seem like much was happening, but what did they do? They kept on probing, didn't they? And that's what we need to do here at Midland, here, amen, in Southwest Baptist Church, in every church. You just keep on probing. You may say, well, we're not seeing much action. There's, there's not so, so many results. Just keep on probing. And God's going to do something if you keep it, keep it up. That's what they did here. We just got to keep on doing it. And God blessed. And we need to keep on praying, amen. And God is listening to those prayers. As you continue to probe, in spite of opposition, God is listening and God is watching. And God's going to bless. And he did. He did in our church. I remember when we started our church, you know, we, we passed out 20,000 flyers. I came to that area on purpose, right, right across the highway from a military base. I was in the military. I have a burden for the military. And I said, this is where God wants us to go. And uh, we passed out 20,000 flyers. Now, we could get on base because, of course, it's a, it's a base. <laughs> it's not easy to get on. But there was some off-base housing for officers, pure officers. And they had their own, uh, even had their own little school there. They had their hotel. They even had a little mall. We could get on there. So a lot of the fires went there. And so when we started our church, we had captains and majors and, and colonels attending our church. But we didn't have one enlisted men. They were all, and it was a little church. We're talking about a church, a little church with 35, 40 people. And with several officers attending the church. And, uh, in fact, and then we moved uh, from, in fact, our church was right in, in the back, back window of the little classroom that I had church in was the lawn of the Air Force headquarters right in, right in back of my pulpit. And, uh, and then we moved to a, uh, a house, and in back of the house was a general that started attending our church, General Camacho. And uh, I, I talked to General Camacho. He started bringing a sergeant to, to, the, to the church. He was a, uh, his chauffeur. And I said, what if you could get us on base? What if your chauffeur would drive us on the base? And uh, he said, I can, I can even do better than that. And uh, I went, uh, he had me come to his office, uh, and I went to his office, and he had one of his generals come into the office, uh, not his generals, but another general in charge of the base housing of that base that we couldn't get on. And he convinced that general to let us come on base. And so we actually drove on the base, and it looked like God was opening up the door. And so uh, we got these tracks done, these uh, military tracks. I had them translated. Uh, there was a church in Tacoma, Washington, a military ministry, and they had some real nice tracks. So I got, sent them some military pictures of Mexican military, and uh, we got the tracks done and everything. And we got on base, and we started passing them out. In fact, we passed by administration. They said, yeah, we know you're here. That's okay. Go on ahead. And so we started passing them out in the, in the, out of, uh, in the different uh, uh, apartments and things. And then a, a train of... Uh, Military vehicles started pulling up, and the uh, soldiers got out and gathered us all up, and, and uh, the lieutenant uh, kindly told us we had to leave. And it looked like the door was shut. What happened is, even though we had, uh, we had permission, the command commandant of the whole base didn't know about it. And when he heard about it, he was furious, and uh, we got kicked off, and it didn't look like, it looked like God had shut the door. But praise God, a, a young soldier got one of those tracks. In fact, he was an escort for the for the uh, Secretary of Defense, and he was a son of a pastor that had gotten away from the Lord, got married to an unsaved wife, but he started coming to our church. His unsaved wife got saved, amen, Lord, this got saved. She still serves in the church, and then her daughters got saved, and one of her daughters started bringing kids to VBS and inviting the kids that were on base to VBS, and pretty soon families were coming from that base, and now they can knock doors, and, and, and now we have a bus route there. We have several families that attend there, and they can knock all the doors they want every Saturday. What we couldn't do, they do every Saturday, amen? God opens the door, amen? If there's a door that's shut, we just need to pray, and God can open up the door of opportunity, effectual doors. Then we see another door. Now, John Gill, when he wrote about our text, Colossians, he was a, 
Baptist preacher that also wrote commentary. He said, uh, God can open doors of opportunity. We saw that. God can open doors of men's hearts. We've seen that. And God can open doors of Christians' mouths. Now, let's go back to our text. We'll see the second door that we need to pray for with respect to missions. And that's the door of utterance. Verse 3, it says again, if you want to read it again, it says in verse, chapter 4, verse 3 of Colossians, with all praying also for us that God would open to us a door of utterance. A door of utterance. Now that word utterance seems like a strange word. What does that actually mean? And, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to know, so I started studying it. And the word utterance, well, here the word utterance is lagos, which can basically is expression of idea or a word, but, uh, but that's really doesn't really explain it still, so we have to look at the context. It says, a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so it's a way to speak. It's, a, it's, it's not just speaking, but it's, it's speaking as one ought to speak. That gives us a little bit light on what the word utterance means. But then as I study the word utterance more in the Bible when it appears, the first time it appears in the New Testament is in Acts 2.4, and it comes from a word, uh, another word, uh, Greek word, apathangamai, apathangamai, thangamai, which means to speak uh, with, uh, not just uh, speaking conversational tones, but speaking in elevated and dignified discourse, speaking with power and authority. That's why it's used when it says that the up in a, from the upper room, remember the day of Pentecost, that's what Acts 2, 4 is talking about. They came out and God gave them words of utterance. And they spoke to some, uh, in a way that the people said, what is going on? And, and then that word is used again, apathagamai, when Peter stands up and he speaks and 3,000 people are convicted of the sin and get saved. So it must be speaking with power. It's the same word that's used, <coughs> apathagamai is used in uh, Acts 26, 25, when Paul's speaking to uh, a king, King Agrippa, and King Agrippa is convicted to the point that he says, almost thou hast persuaded me to become a Christian. So it must be special way of speaking. It's the kind of speaking when Paul, when Jesus, when he went to Nazareth, and they were astonished at his gracious words. Now, you got to remember when, Paul, when, when Jesus spoke in Nazareth, where did he just come from? From the desert. What was he doing in the desert for 40 days? He was fasting, but what else, what else do you think he was doing? He was praying, amen? He was praying, and he comes in the power of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, to Galilee, speaks in Nazareth with gracious words. It's the same kind of speaking that we see in Acts chapter 4, if you want to go there, Acts chapter 4. That's what, this, is what utterance is, this, this is what utterance is all about. Acts chapter 4, and this is what we need to pray for. It says in Acts chapter 4, we have the story of Peter. And John, they've been threatened after giving the gospel out and preaching. <coughs> and the Bible says in verse 29, they come back to the congregation. And they don't have a pity party for being threatened. They have a prayer party. It's better to have a prayer party than a pity party. Amen? And they start praying. And look at how they pray in verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants protection from the threatenings. Is that what they said? Read it. Verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word. Amen. They didn't pray for protection. They prayed for power. They prayed for boldness in spite of the opposition. What happened? Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken 
where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. In verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And some people say, well, the power was just given unto the apostles. No, the Bible says great grace was upon all of them that were in that congregation. They all came out speaking boldly. Not just the apostles, but the members of the church. Amen? And it was a result of prayer. Jesus spoke gracious words because of the result of what? And powerful words because of prayer. They come out speaking because of prayer. Remember when we saw Pythagoras the first time, 2-4, and, and, and I just mentioned they came out of the upper room speaking. What have they been doing for 10 days when they came out speaking with utterance? Praying, amen? See the connection? Prayer opens up doors of utterance. It gives the saints utterance. It, it gives them to speak as they ought to speak and to speak boldly. We just saw that here. We see that also in Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Paul's asking for prayer again in verse 18 because he sees the connection. We need to see the connection as well. We need to live this connection. Verse 18, praying all, always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me. There's that word again, utterance. Here it's lagos, okay? But it, it, it's the same idea of speaking with boldness. How do you know? Read the rest. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so speaking, uh, when the doors of utterance open, what it's talking about is the saints of God will speak with boldness and power. Now, as a missionary, and as Paul, remember Paul was a missionary, we ask, and I beg of you to pray for the door of utterance on the mission field. But not just for me, your servant missionary, not just for my family. You know, I cannot reach 22 million people for the Lord. There's 22 million people in Mexico. I can't even reach 400,000 people for the Lord. But a church full, full of people speaking with boldness have a better chance of reaching 400,000 people with the Lord. Amen? And that's what we need to pray for, not just your servant and your, the missionary family, but for the saints. And look what it says in verse 18. With all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to be praying for all saints everywhere, even on the mission field. Amen? That our people that are working in the church, that our people have boldness to speak, that we might be able to reach the people for the Lord. Oh, pray for the saints of Liberty Baptist Church and for Strong Tower Baptist Mission over there by the airport and then over in Nakalpan at Liberty Baptist Mission. Pray that those saints will have power to go out of their churches and go out of their homes and reach the people for the Lord in speaking with power and boldness. And that's how we see the dynamic of a ministry in the foreign field changed through your prayers. And there's one more door I want us to look at, and that's the quaking door. Where do you see that in the Bible? Well, first of all, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. We see another missions request. This is the prayer request. Of, uh, this is the command of Jesus himself, asking that we pray for the mission field. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is 
In verse 35, going from village to village, it says, He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of Christ. I'm going to finish. So let, let me say in a nutshell, he saw the multitudes. I wish I, I, I don't have time to talk about it, but man, if you saw that video at the end, I'm standing, you can't really see it very well, but I'm standing in front of a ridge that's miles and miles and miles and miles and miles long of tens of thousands of homes. And then there's a dip, and then there's another ridge with tens of thousands of homes, and then another ridge, another dip with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of homes behind me. And the people are scattered as sheep without a shepherd. The people behind living in those homes are fainted. They're cumbered about with their sin and their problems that are a result of their own creation, from their own sin. And they're looking to see how to solve them. They're scattered abroad looking for an answer. And the answer is right here. The answer is a shepherd that will guide them. But there are sheep with no shepherd because there's a lack of workers. And Jesus knew that. <clears throat> and he says here, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. And in Spanish, that word is beg ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Oh, we need to be praying that God will send forth labors. But you know what there needs to be is a quaking door experience that I see in Isaiah chapter chapter eight, uh, chapter 6. I'm going to go there. Isaiah chapter 6. It says that in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was at the temple. Good place to be, amen? In the word, in, and this is where it's going to happen. Or it's not going to happen in your life, and he wouldn't have had this experience if you're not in the temple, if you're not in communion with God, if you're not attending church, if you're not seeking him like he was seeking him here in the temple, obviously. The Bible says in verse 1, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphim, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the Bible says they had to cover their face with the glory of the Lord, they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And look at what happens. The post, the door move at the voice of him that cry. And I believe the voice crying here is not those uh, seraphim that are crying one another. This is the cry of God crying out. And the Bible says that the posts of the door are moved. And, and, and not only are the posts of the, the door moved and quaking, but uh, <coughs> uh, we see here, Isaiah himself is quaking before a holy God, a great God. He sees God as he truly is in all his glory. And he says, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He sees God in his glory. He, how does he respond with reverence and awe? Oh, how we're missing that in churches today. How we're missing that among young people today. Not only that, he also responds with humility. Another thing that's missing among young people today, amen? A touch of humility. That's why I believe we're not seeing so many people sent out. Because a lot of people aren't even listening. But what we need to do, and this is something that, you know, I cannot do. I can preach and preach and preach in missions conferences. Pastor Gunner has preached and preached and preached. Pastor Himes can come, and he can preach as well, or Brother Carr or Brother Terry. But it's God that has to do it. It's God that has to shake up a new generation. And we need to be praying that God does it. Gives us a quaking door experience. 
that wakes some people out of their lethargy and sees that they see God as he really is, all his power and glory, and respond with humility and also with surrender. Because that's exactly what Isaiah did here as he heard the words, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And then said, I hear my Lord, send me. Oh, we need to pray that there be a quaking door experience among people in our churches. How are we going to see them on a mission? You know, uh, 70 years ago, there were 100,000 people going to the mission field. 100,000 Americans leaving the shores of the United States. And that's when we had 4 billion people on this earth. Now we have 8 billion. You know how many people are leaving the shores of the United States? You would say 200,000. No, 29,000. One third with two times the number of people to reach. Why isn't it? Because we need a, a quaking door experience. That's what Jonathan Edwards prayed for. His young people were all wrapped up in the world. They didn't have smartphones in those days, but they had ungodly literature and worldly literature that was filling up their minds with worldliness. But Jonathan Edwards said, well, we're going to pray for the young people. And you know what? A great revival not only took place in his church, but it spread throughout the whole colonies of the United States and changed the course of the history of this nation. That's what we need to be praying for. We need to be praying for an effectual door, a door of utterance, a quaking door. Oh, when we pray, God can open up the doors. You know, we have the weapon. Remember what we just saw there in Ephesians 6, when it ends with prayer, that's the last part of the armor of God that many times we forget. The weapon of prayer. Oh, the sword of the spirit. We talk about that, but then we leave it off like that's the whole armor of God. Prayer is the other weapon that we have. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And that's the weapons of warfare that we need to use to be able to see people saved on the mission field. It says in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, as we, what happened in Ephesus, there was what? There were people that didn't believe. There were people whose hearts were hardened. There, and why? Because they had strongholds in their hearts and minds, against the gospel. But God could tear down those strongholds. But what, what did Paul write there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? He said, pray that the word of God would have free course. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about like a mighty river, like the Johnstown flood in Pennsylvania, that just when, it, when the dam broke, the water just went through, knocking over buildings. And uh, I read about a little bit about that. I got a picture of a, uh, of a house that's standing on its side, a two-story home, home with a, uh, with a, with a, a, a trunk of a tree right through it. That's the power of a mighty river that's when it's unleashed. And that's the power that God wants to give to the gospel if we pray. Pray that the word of God may have free course, casting down imaginations, just like t- t- casting down those buildings there in the Johnstown flood. God can, can just pull down the strongholds in the hearts of man when we pray, when we use the weapon of prayer. I want to finish by telling a story and then giving a, a words of a missionary, but some years ago, the record of a wonderful work of grace in connection with one of the stations of the China Inland Mission attracted a good deal of attention. Both the number and spiritual character of the converts had been far greater than at other stations where the consecration of the missionaries had been just as great as a more fruitful place. So what it's saying here is uh, back in the 19th century in China, there were several mission stations where they were preaching under the uh, auspices of, uh, under the sponsorship of the China Inland Mission run by Hudson Taylor. But in one spot, they were seeing more success than other places. They were seeing a higher mu- a number of people saved and a higher uh, 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 um, spiritual character of the converts was much greater as well. 
notice where it says, what it says, where the consecration of the missionaries had been just as great as at the more fruitful place. So it wasn't that these missionaries at this fruitful place were better missionaries than other places. They weren't more consecrated, but God was just blessing more there. I think of our ministry. I know some people that are just as consecrated as I am that are on a mission field in Mexico even and haven't seen the success that we have seen. And I wonder why. And I, and I believe this illustration gives the answer. It says here, this rich harvest of souls remained a mystery till Hudson Taylor on a visit to England discovered the secret. At the close of one of his addresses, a gentleman came forward to make his acquaintance. In the conversation which followed, Mr. Taylor was surprised at the accurate knowledge the man possessed concerning this inland China mission. But how is it, Mr. Taylor asked, that you are so conversant with the conditions of this work? How is it that you know so much about that work? Oh, he replied, the missionary there and I are old college mates. For years, we have regularly corresponded, and he has sent me names of inquirers and converts, and these have I daily taken to God in prayer. At last, the secret was found. A man praying at home, praying definitely, praying daily for specific cases among the heathen. This is the real intercessory missionary, and this is the kind of missionary that we, intercessory missionary that we need in the pews today. That will be praying like this missionary prayed for. You want to change the dynamics of some certain mission field? Look at some of those prayer letters that you have. Ask pastor for a prayer letter and pray for the needs that are on that prayer letter, and you'll be surprised how you could change a ministry. See souls saved. God can do it, amen? James Gilmore, a missionary to the Mongolia, said, Do not we rest in our day too much in the arm of flesh? Cannot the same words be done now as of old? Wonders be done now as of old? Oh, they could be done. They could be done just as much as they were 100 years ago or 2,000 years ago. We just need to pray like they did of old. Do not the eyes of the Lord run to or fro and fro throughout the whole earth still to show himself strong on behalf of those who put their trust in him? Oh, yes, he does. Oh, that God would give me more practical faith in him. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, he said these words, uh, my creed leads me to think that prayer is efficacious, that surely a day's asking God to overrule all events for good is not lost. It's not lost to spend a day in prayer. Have you ever tried it? Oh, that'd be a waste of my time. I got so much to do. It wouldn't be a day lost. It wouldn't be a day lost. But he says, Still, there is a great feeling that when a man is praying, he's doing nothing. Don't we get tempted to think that sometimes? That's why we don't pray as we ought to. Amen? Let's be honest. Still, there's a great feeling that when a man is praying, he's doing nothing. And this feeling makes us give undue importance to work. Now, work's not, not, it's not that work's not important. We work hard. But what he's saying is uh, sometimes uh, we give undue importance to work, sometimes even to the hurrying over and even to the neglect of prayer. Okay, God, I got, I got five minutes. I'll give you five minutes. I got lots to do. Well, I think a lot of the times we have more time than we think. How many times are you looking at your smartphone? How many times are you, look, you know, watching something or just wasting our time, amen? We got more time to pray than we think. And that's what he's saying here. Oh, sometimes we think we're doing nothing. The, the, the big thing to do is to pray. It's the biggest thing that we could do. So James... Gilmore ended by saying, where is now the Lord God of Elijah? That's a good question. Remember when Elisha asked that question? Remember when he received the mantle from, the, uh, from, from Elijah and he took it to the River Jordan and he broke, he hit the River Jordan and it opened up and he said, 
Elijah, then he, that's when he hit, that's when he used it, amen. But the Lord God Elijah is right here. The same one that opened up that Jordan is right here today. The question is, where are the Elijahs that will pray like Elijah? Oh, that I could recruit some Elijahs tonight to pray like Elijah did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, stir our hearts, God, to pray as we ought to pray. That those on the mission field may speak as they ought to speak with power.